0: Hello and welcome to episode eight of The Thirst Time. We are here again. For those that don't know, the aim of The Thirst Time is to take you through the formative steps of some of the brilliant minds we have in the craft beer industry today. Starting from that first sip of beer that changed everything. And today's guest is the Michael Phelps of the beer world. Medals dangle from his neck and his walls are adorned with awards. We actually did this interview as he sat in his trophy room, perched upon his velvet throne. Uh, (laughs) That's not exactly how it was, but I like the idea that that's how you'll be thinking of this uh, as we do this interview. He is none other than Evan Price, founder and co-owner of Green Cheek Brewery based out in Orange County, California. What can't these guys do? Man, I feel like I say this quite a lot, but it's genuinely the truth. When I tried Evan's beers, my mouth was agape. The first beer I ever had was the Triple IPA and it sent me to a fluffy fruit cloud of... dank juice. Uh, And it was super crushable as well. Um, It was totally immense. And every other beer I've ever tried has carried that quality. After that first meeting, I bugged Evan for about a year until he came by and brewed a Triple IPA with us alongside his good buddy from LA Highland Park, uh, Bob. Which became What Could Go Wrong, which is one of our most highly rated beers and seemed to go down pretty well. You guys seem to really like that one. And we were super happy with it as well. So now I can die a happy man. Evan is a multi award winning brewer, an incredibly hilarious individual. There's lots of my screechy laughter in this one, I'm afraid. And a lover of all things real ale. You heard it. One of the best producers of hobby beer in the world started out in a place you might not have expected. So, let's get to it. Episode 8. Here we go. We start out, as we do every episode, with asking what that first beer was for him.
1: You know, the, the first beer that I remember absolutely falling in love with, uh, funny enough, is like um, Newcastle and Guinness um, were the first beers that I ever fell in love with.
0: I'm just going to pick my jaw up off the floor here. That was totally <laughs> unexpected. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> well
1: i uh let's see um what year is this this is two thousand three two thousand two thousand three two thousand four i think i wanna say and like um i I was working at um different restaurants and stuff like that, and I remember just being in this situation the first time having those multi beers and just absolutely. Falling in love with what that what that was. One of the funny things for me is just like looking back at that whole situation and just being. Uh, I think it's so funny that I I thought of Guinness as this like motor oil type um, beer, and it was just like I don't know. There was a certain amount of manliness that came around came from like drinking Guinness. Like, oh, what are you gonna drink? you gonna have a Bud Light? No, man, I'm out fucking Guinness. <laughs> and so like. And like, you know, there's just like all of these like funny things that come around, come along with it. Like, um, you have this nitro bottle and you, you take it and you, you pour it in there and you have this like certain way of, of like viewing it and pouring it as like this, uh, ignorant American young kid who doesn't know much about beer or drinking or whatever else. But, um, yeah, that was like the first, sort of thing that like really started to get me excited about beer. And then from there, um, a couple of my buddies were extremely excited about doing a Euro, uh, a Euro trip, especially after seeing the movie Euro trip. And so the- um,
0: You're painting yourself as just, just such a classy individual here. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, no, it's it's, uh, it, you know, the beginning of this, <laughs> of all of this story, is the exact opposite of all of that for sure. <laughs> and so, uh, just a complete degenerate. And so we, yeah, I ended up going on this, this, this trip with them. And, uh, our first stop is England. And, um, we, oh man, I forgot the name of the pub. We, I actually visited it the last time I was there back in October and was looking around at it. And I'm like, I think this is the, like the, the first real pub that I fell in love wow. with. But, uh, which which was a Samuel Smith pub and all the beers were turds, but that is, that's that's beyond the point. Yeah. Uh, no, nothing against you, Samuel Smith. Anyway. Um,
0: he may we, be listening.
1: <laughs> yeah. He may be listening anyway. Um, during this trip, we just continue to fall. I, I continue to fall in love with beer as a, as a much larger category. Um, it started off with those real ales in England and, we the three of us on this trip just continued to like drink at these different pubs and just would get these beers that we truly didn't know anything about and um we continued to just to like have conversations about them which is kind of the like the first time that like that uh really took place in my life it would be yeah. uh you have you, you get this thing that you know nothing about that you, you order based off of uh, a name um, yeah i'll take the black sheep or i'll take whatever sort of beer that is right and then you have it you're you know and and for us drinking outside of a pub in in a street was like also the coolest thing ever <laughs> and so we i just remember though that this like this this this
0: is this in london
1: this was this was yeah we started in London and all we go around further from there yeah. um and i mean these days i i like the northern part of england uh much more no, like nothing you know not manchester necessarily yeah. more yorkshire <laughs> uh. uh but anyway the um yeah having these conversations about beers though and i think was just like the beginning of, of what that was. And then falling in love with how these things tasted. Um, I think the funniest thing for me is I hated hoppy beer. And, uh, as a beginning drinker, I thought it was disgusting. I hated the, uh, the resinous bitterness stone beer to me, like stone brewing was like one of the worst things that I ever tasted. And, uh, as a young beer drinker, I thought, I thought that that like, it it couldn't get worse than that, like, uh, soapy taste, you know, that I sort of thought it was in the beginning. And so
0: look where you um, are now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, from there, like we, uh, we, we went to Ireland. I was so excited about again, drinking Guinness Guinness. in Ireland. Uh, And then from there we went to Belgium and we went to Germany and I think we, we got this the sense of beer culture in a, a, in a way that like most of my friends didn't understand that didn't go on this trip. Um, and I feel like I came back like a, a, a new man, you know, a new, a new person where it was just like, ah, man,
0: beer, yeah, beer. <laughs> that's, that's the new thing. My, there is every time I do these interviews, I'm always like a little nervous, just like, right. You know, how are we going to go with it and where are we going to where are we going to steer it and where will we end up but you've just said about a million different things in there that i'm just like i just want to talk about for about an hour one yeah all i could get all i've got in my head is the image of three californian young dudes in like this really kind of sleepy british pub just like can i try the uh the black sheep over there <laughs> yeah. oh oh hi uh can you have the black sheep
1: please oh, yeah that's like just going deep on all these like oh uh, the beer is gone bad it's
0: bitter you know it's <laughs> like like just things that you just don't understand i love i love that that feeling uh that you must have had like that provincial feeling because i said to you before you're a californian brewer now and that sense of place is a huge part of what you guys do we can get you know, further down the line, we can get into like West Coast IPAs and, sure, and all sure. the other styles. But yeah, going to going to Ireland to drink Guinness felt huge.
1: Oh man, I, uh, yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday and that Guinness in Ireland, to me, I mean, like, you know, uh, was still better than any oxidized old bottle of Guinness that I was drinking here in California, of course. But, um, you know, it just, there was a certain, you know, the, there was time and place attached to, totally. you know, that moment. And then it kind of like continued to grow in time to sort of what that was.
0: And out of interest, did, did the two of the guys that were with you, was it two of the guys, was the three of you? Yeah, yeah. Did did they work in beer as well? Or was it just kind of like a little bit of a, was? were you the only well, ones to shoot as a career?
1: Well, yes and no. And so we ended up getting back from this trip. And all I'm talking about is, beer my roommate at the time um get really excited about beer too and so we start going to Bevmo which is a popular store out here that has just you know at the time had the biggest selection of craft beer and we um so we go to this place and I'm like oh yeah here we go we're going to get this beer from Germany we're going to get this beer from England and we start like going through and we buy all these beers right like I'm like a, Kid in the candy store. I cannot wait to get these beers home, and my roommate who didn't go on this trip is just like he's so so excited too. And so we I uh, we get back to my place, we start opening these beers, and I'm like beyond excited. We start pouring them and sampling them and everything, and I just continue to get more and more deflated because I don't I didn't understand at the time how beer didn't travel well beer doesn't travel well for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, the, um, you know, fresh beer is fresh beer is King. And all of these old bottles are just sitting on these shelves, these imports that however long it took to get them there. And so I'm trying to, I, I don't, I'm just trying to understand like, and communicate to my friend who didn't go on the trip. Hey, uh, the beer didn't taste like that there. And he's like, well, no, man, I mean, it's in the bottle. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, no, this tastes like shit. What I had over there was (laughs) delicious, and so um, then one of my friends that went on the trip, uh, my friend Joe, he, um, I'm telling him all about this, and he's like, "Well, you can make beer at home," and my eyes are just like, "What what are you talking about? You can make beer at home," and so I get so I get I get really excited about this entire idea, and so. Um me and him go together to a homebrew shop. And then we brew our first batch of beer, which I think was an English bitter. I think that was a, the very first beer that I ever homebrewed was an can English I, bitter. And- can I
0: just say why I'm finding this so hilarious? It's like, the, I, this is like the eighth interview I've done. And Sierra Nevada has been mentioned as someone's first beer, like four or oh, five sure. times. So I was just like, Evan, right, we're just going to do this interview. The first thing is going to be like, well, I had Sierra Nevada. And then you just go, Guinness? and porter or something. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: And and I even had I I had a Sierra Nevada um Pale Ale before um I probably even I might have had it before I had Newcastle and Guinness and I thought it was again one of the worst things ever because I just did not appreciate bitter beer at that mm-hmm. time um being But you a, did but your
0: first brew was
1: uh... an English bitter ended up being my first <laughs> Um you know what it could have been a I, it could have been that could have been my second my english brown ale could have been my first but i'd have to look back in my notes but it's absolutely one of those two
0: You have notes?
1: Well yeah like i like i have like a like a, a little like shoebox underneath my bed that has like you know these sort of first beers wow. that, uh, that i brewed and these notes are the best absolutely the best where they're just so ignorant and um you know i don't i don't know what the hell i'm doing but i'm just trying to like yes okay i have to take notes i have to take notes um uh water is boiling yes 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 um but anyway i think um yeah the first time i had a Sierra nevada pale ale i i thought it was disgusting i didn't understand it it wasn't, it wasn't for me, but, um, the first time I ended up appreciating, uh, a hoppy beer was, was, was when I was finally working in a brewery mm-hmm. and, um, I got some fresh pale ale straight, straight off the tank. It was when I was working in, um, a place called BJ's that's out here. They have, a uh, like they do pizza and stuff like that. And there's a million locations here in the States. Um, but anyway, I got some fresh pale ale straight off the bright tank and it was that moment that that moment where i immediately was like you know what i might like hoppy beer whoa like here and it was is. And, I, and it yeah yeah here it is and it was and i think it was just like um it was the freshness fresh hoppy beer just absolutely slays and but the moment that you get some age behind it it just isn't for me
0: mhm well it was interesting you say about like the bitterness uh, because it was an interview i listened to with you that kind of you know where something is kind of obvious but you don't really think about it and bitterness is not a flavor that we are evolved oh, sure. to enjoy and you were talking right. about like west coast ipas and stuff and it it isn't and i remember like trying like my dad's beer or something when i was like i don't know 14 15 and had a little sip and we were just like this is disgusting yes. and it was like that bitterness and that it's just not a pleasurable thing um so it's funny that you were just totally not taken by that and then just moved into like, yeah, aged Guinness and Newcastle can I Brown. tried to,
1: my, uh, my, my twin boys are three and a half and, um, you know, I'll have a beer at home and um, they'll see the foam sitting on the top and, you know, one of them will come up and be like, hey, um, can I, uh, or like, they'll be like, bubbles? And I'm like, okay, yeah, you want to put your finger in the bubbles and then taste it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, like, if I have a um, if I have a bitter beer, I'm like more excited about like what that reaction, reaction. will be. And so it's yeah. like there's just, like this little dip, and then I'm sitting there like just waiting. Like, all right, you're gonna hate this. And I'm like, so what do you think? Mmm. And I'm like, oh no, no, that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> like this entire lesson is so that you taste it, and then you go, I don't want that. And instead, like both of my kids uh my twin boys have have like come back with hmm that's good dad and i'm oh, like man. no i i don't i don't want to hear that i i want you to tell me that it's bad so that it it takes you you know another 12 years or whatever to be interested in this again
0: so when they take over green cheek it's just going to be straight like <laughs> hardcore those stone beers that you were drinking at the start just high ibus super bitter oh my
1: god right <laughs> yeah i'm so excited about that entire idea
0: yeah I wonder if you could talk about the homebrew side of it because you were like, weren't you terrible at it? You you like self-confessed uh, <laughs> absolutely terrible at it?
1: Oh man, I, I do talk about this more than I should. But um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, I started homebrewing and um, I, you know, like most homebrewers, the first batch that I did, I thought was, you know, I, I thought that I was God gift to the world of brewing i was like oh my god i created alcohol i can't believe i did this this is amazing and then i brewed a second batch and you know in hindsight i obviously didn't clean my equipment well enough and so it was slightly contaminated and i didn't know what i did wrong but in that moment i'm like oh shit i got a lot to learn about this and so i continued to brew these uh these batches I was I was hell bent on continuing to try to make a good batch of beer and so I brewed just batch after batch you know and and mostly those were like um uh maltier beers in the, mm-hmm. in the very beginning you know um whether it was a german uh, hefeweizen or uh whether it was a porter or a brown ale or a bitter like I was I was going through those different beer styles but I kept brewing these batches and then i would um it was so much work to like after about two two or three batches i realized how much work it was to bottle a batch of homebrew that like i just i i decided at a certain point like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna taste this and if it's not good going in the bottle in this mistake like it's not gonna get any better the moment i put it in a bottle like if it's already if it already tastes like shit it's gonna taste like potentially worse, like in two, three weeks. Right. And so anyway, uh, I finally decided at a certain point, it doesn't taste good. I'm not going to put it in a bottle. And so then I just found myself dumping batches of homebrew over and over. And I got so frustrated with it. I, um, uh, yeah, I, I made a decision that I needed to go work for a brewery in order to figure out what I was doing wrong. Cause I was really excited about trying to make
0: good homebrew. And was it is is it like quite a common path to tread in California Cause there's obviously there's so much more breweries I don't know it just seems a more common career path than maybe in the u k ten years ago or something like that. so was it quite an easy an easy thing to find or, or did you struggle
1: oh, I mean let's see this you know um as I started down this path, this was fifteen years ago oh, and right. so I, you know the um There was not, it would, no, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a very popular thing, Mm -hmm. um, especially in Orange County We're in, you know, there goes, uh, on the coast here in, um, California, it's like LA, Orange County, San Diego. And so in San Diego, it was, you know, um, and I didn't know this at the time, but in San Diego, it was a much more popular, um, thing, but still nowhere close to what it is now. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, the moment that I just kind of like made this decision, I pursued this place. Well, it kind of comes along with, there's this butterfly effect where I was working at this restaurant and, um, I ended up, I ended up getting fired for calling this customer a dick. And so then I, I get fired and then I immediately am like, okay, well, I need to find a different i need. i need to work somewhere and so i went to i i went to go work at bj's as a server because i knew that they um were all about their beer program and they made their own beer and so i was like okay cool this can be my foot in the door mm-hmm. so i started off there and then i continued to just to like bug the uh brewing staff until i finally got a job in the um in the brewery and then Yeah. And I worked a shit job for two years,
0: you know, um, Were you just like a sponge at that time though? Were you just trying to to absorb as much as possible?
1: Anything and everything. I didn't care. I, and, and I told them that from the very beginning, I'm like, look, I don't have, you know, I don't have any, anything to provide other than like whatever you teach me. So like, I'm, I'm here to do whatever you want. I'll scrub floors. I'll clean tanks. Like you let me know. And so I ended up just being, you know, a keg washer and, um, any other kind of cleaning tasks uh, for the most part. And then con- over the course of that uh, that time period, I ended up just con- continuing to work my way up and learning more and more. And then I went to work at another brewery after that
0: um, at a brewery called Hangar 24. But what kind of stage of development were you at like hangar? Were you kind of slightly worked your way up the chain? Were you kind of like, were you brewing, in charge of brewing and recipe development at that time?
1: Yeah, so I start, I mean, like, uh, when I, when I went to there, I was basically, uh, I was doing all of the brewing at that point,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, by whatever, uh, and doing essentially whatever the owner wanted me to do. Um, and then I ended up developing my first beer recipe there, but, um, everything else was, um, really what, um, Ben, the owner, had already developed at that point, but, it was such a huge learning curve mm-hmm. you know it was which was which was fantastic because i was like you know i'm i'm going coming from this 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 brewery bjs where like uh and into this next position which was a huge step up for me and um i really thought i <laughs> I, 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 I and I, and i'll repeat this over and over with every job that i end up taking but like i really thought like oh man yeah i got this like <laughs> i i know exactly what i'm doing I'm the shit. And so I, I end up going into this position and then I get my ass handed to me with just like, yep, you don't know shit. And so I, I really, I really enjoy that aspect of humbleness that comes from um, this industry um, where there's just so much to learn
0: constantly.
1: And so, um, and I still feel that way to this day uh, on a, on a, on a daily basis where, you know, it's always about improving and, um, and everything like that. But yeah, from that job to the next job, I was just like, Oh yeah, gonna kill it. And then I was just like, okay, yeah, man, you got a little, you got a little more to learn, you know? And then from that job, I went to, um, well taps was, taps was pretty cool where, um, working under Victor Novak, he really, um, you know, I think he, he, he changed my mindset on brewing in a lot of ways where, um, he was all about, um, well, <clears throat> to back up slightly at hanger 24, I, I learned a lot of really great, um, quality control, um, aspects of, uh, the, of working. Um, there was this consultant that came in, um, his name's Lee Chase and Lee Chase was the head brewer at stone for 10 years. And when he left oh, wow. stone, he was doing consulting for a little bit. And so he came in as a consultant and absolutely changed so many different ways that I did, uh, procedures throughout the brewery, um, in that just two days that we worked together. And so that was awesome. And then, um, continuing to work with, uh, w- work with Ben, who was a, um, graduate from the master brewers association. Um, uh, also really like helped helped a lot. And then, um, then going to work for Victor Novak, where he was, he was on the creative side of things, you know, um, these other guys were on the, like the, you know, more of the technical side and then Victor's on the creative side where he's just like tasting the beer. And, uh, we would, you know, we would taste things together and he'd be like, okay, you know, what do you, what do you think we should change? How do you like the palate? How do you, you know, And like, so that's such the- an
0: exciting part of, yeah producing beer man like it like it's it's culinary it's it's being a chef and seasoning and all of these kind of things um you know i'm not a brewing but that that's the stuff that it just excites me so much like what what flavors can be extracted and how and all of that side of things so it's cool that you've got all of that uh process driven in from from the previous yeah, yeah, yeah now you're kind of coming on to the 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 almost decorative aspect of what beer is And was was your perception of what kind of beers were you drinking at that time? Were you kind of just trying to stuff out the tank, and was that was your palate quite defined already, or were you you picking things up that you didn't that you didn't have before?
1: I was drinking basically everything, you know. Like (laughs) I think I like you know, like you get to this, um, you get to this spot, I guess. Like this, like for me, there's like this sort of circle of like beer introduction as an American, and as an American, it's like you know you're starting off with. light lager you're at a you're at a a party in high school and uh someone went and bought this thing called beer and then you you get handed um you know one of those and you're like okay this is beer oh this isn't this isn't good at all like what what is going on oh well it must be me i must be the idiot like because this isn't delicious and so anyway the um the progression from there to then, you know, maybe, uh, Corona with a lime to maybe then multier beers, uh, to then say, uh, hoppier beers, IPAs and those types of things to then like, um, starting to get into like barrel aged beers with, um, uh, or just bigger, darker beers in general to then sour beers and then like, you know, coming back around and then going, Hey, you know what? This logger thing's pretty cool. I just you know, I was introduced to it in a, in a in a uh in in a way that like isn't necessarily the most um uh delicious or the most exciting like for my palate. And so, um, cuz everyone likes what they like and I'm I'm not going to shit on that, but like I think yeah. that um coming back around with that full circle is exactly where Working with Victor at Taps like was was really neat for me because he focused so much on these European lagers um, from Hellas to Pilsner to Schwarzbier, um, you know, and on and on and on to where like nobody else was doing that. And I think that I found so much excitement with like coming back around to this full circle and then being like, "I want lager beer."
0: Yeah. I mean, that was the total trip, same trip, man. Like, you go through, I feel like you just want to challenge your palate as much as possible. You try something and then you're like, fuck, I just want to throw everything at it. And, you know, there wasn't, I got to a point where it was just like, unless if I'm drinking something that's like really challenging, then I'm just not enjoying it. Like, to really into kind of like Gurs or, or Flemish Reds and all that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, yeah. But then you just do this full circle and just be like, can I just, can I just have a nice lager, please? <laughs> just Yeah. And and that's what Absolutely. you see at, at beer festivals. It's just all brewers drinking pilsners or something like yes. that. Um, oh yeah,
1: yeah. We do that constantly at beer festivals, where um, you know we'll, we'll have say heavy hitters of um, you know a big adjunct pastry stout or something like that, and um, maybe a hazy triple IPA and a range of those things, and then we'll bring you know a Helles or a German pils or an Italian pils. And, and then watches all like, the
0: brewers just descend closer yeah. and closer
1: to you. <laughs> And then all the, yeah, all the brewers start coming by. And then it's like, you know, it's like the same with your guys' Sonoma. Yeah. Where it's like, that thing is just the crusher. Yeah. It's like the moment that you guys have that, oh, yeah, when you guys sent a beer package over, I couldn't have been more excited. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, yeah, cool. Here's our, <laughs> here's our collaboration. It came out fantastic. I'm in love with what you guys did. But I am fucking dunks
0: on that Sodoma <laughs> that's hilarious um oh man yeah this it's it, i think it's just bringing that clean like especially with lagers like you realize that without anything to hide behind you just need absolute clarity and and that is a very hard thing to actually um to execute
1: oh my god we i feel like we uh you know i um, let's see, I don't know how many years I'm into making lager at this point. Um, 10, I think I'm 10 yeah. years in, on like making lager beers. And, um, I, I guess, I mean, I technically longer, but that doesn't matter anyway. Um, but the point is, is that like every single batch, I learn a new lesson, um, uh, from, uh, from that standpoint. And then also another, um, as problems arise, I end up, forcing myself to learn learn more and or re relearn something that i that I forgot about. That's you so know, cool. uh via via brewing text or talking to another brewer about like the issue that we're having, you know, or sending something off to a lab lab and being like, oh, that's a heightened acetaldehyde um in the beer. And so obviously, you know, we have a yeast health issue or a range of other things. And so mm-hmm. I think that it's like um it's still some of the hardest like that it's still one of the hardest things that we produce is trying to get our um our hellas as authentic as possible from like you know absolutely using german grown malt german grown hops um we have a hellas going in the tank um where we're trying out the Augustiner yeast again because fuck man the last time i was in germany just drinking leader <laughs> after leader after leader of Augustiner was oh man absolutely like uh top five beer experiences oh, i've
0: ever had so good it's so hilarious though because it probably makes the least noise out of any beer you guys produce i imagine
1: Oh, no, no one cares. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I mean, like, you <laughs> it's know. Uh, is
0: like, all of this, like, 10 years of just trying and trying and trying. Uh, and people probably, yeah, make very little noise about it in your tap room compared to your triple IPA or something.
1: You know, what's cool is that, like, I think we, um, and I feel like we're, like, in this, like, somewhat of a rare spot where we have um, what I feel like is a really great mix of, um customers and fans where you know we have um we have the we have a group of people that are really excited about more of the contemporary things that we're doing and more the modern beers that we're Mm -hmm. doing that um you know whether they're higher in alcohol or they use a certain ingredient that isn't traditional or a range of those types of things like we have that group and uh absolutely love doing those beers as well as i challenge myself on um, and our brewery on trying to produce those things. Um, and so I'm I'm thankful for that. And then, but then we have this other group of people of like, um, of regulars that really appreciate those types of beers, whether it's like the clear West coast IPA, Mm -hmm. which, uh, for, for us is a like pretty like easy drinking beer at 7% 7% ABV or 7.5% ABV, like because of the way that we make them, um, to these lager beers and uh, a range of those, like beer styles. Like those things, I think, like, you know, it ends up being really neat to see who's really excited about those beers. Like we've sold leader mugs a range of times for these, like, Hellas batches, those Hellas, these Hellas batch releases. And um, we'll have people come in with their clean mug and like because we don't have them we don't have them in the tap room like and so like but if somebody comes in for with their one liter mug we'll fill up an entire liter mug and like the the look on these uh, on their face you know and in my face too because i'm really excited they brought in like you know one of our glasses just so that they could drink an entire liter of it it's so dope
0: that's so cool i love it yeah a oh man, this interview is is taking me all kinds of places that I wasn't expecting to go. We've gone from Guinness oh. and Castle Brown to lager. Everyone that's gonna like uh, be expecting, we're just gonna go deep into like IPAs and stuff like that. Now, Evan worked his way through a few breweries before taking over the ropes at Noble. But this is where I wanted to dive in a little deeper. As all things at Noble weren't in the best condition and it was Evan's job as a head brewer to turn that ship around. And turn it he did, again elevating them to a new place and adding some more awards along the way. You are listening to Track Brewing Co. presents the third time and this is our interview with Evan Price. I want to go into a little bit, no, your next stop, which was Noble, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah yeah because that because yeah, sure. I've, I've i've read a little bit and i think we spoke a little bit and i spoke to brian for quite <clears> a long time about uh noble because that was a kind of totally different situation wasn't it you went in there i guess you climbed the chain a little bit more and your confidence has obviously got got better and you were going to go in there were you going in as like lead brewer straight away or was it a different role
1: yeah yeah so um i went I went over there immediately as the head brewer and, um, I, um, you know, again, uh, I, I built up a little bit of overconfidence, uh, working at taps, um, (laughs) at taps, like, uh, two years in a row that I was there. Um, we were brew pub group of the year at the great American beer festival and, um, you know, some world beer cup, uh metals as well with like Schwartz beer and a range of these other sort of beer styles. And, you know, I I think, you know, like I feel like I brought a lot to the table uh myself like in that situation. But like uh those were Victor's beers and not mine. Totally. And I um so like it was a really funny experience um again like creating more humbleness because I, I go on to, um, Noble and I start, um, I, I'm, it's the first time that I'm legitimately in charge of a beer program. Yeah. 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 Like I'm legitimately in charge of this like beer program to where like it all gets funneled, you know, all beer questions and, and everything else gets funneled to me. And it's just me and, um, this volunteer, that I have uh uh Brad who uh uh became the head brewer after I left um uh absolute absolutely great dude one of my uh great great friends and anyway it's just the two of us and I'm learning pretty quickly that I don't know shit and so it's uh yeah it was a, it was a great experience though i mean like what um, was there
0: was there also an aspect of like noble wasn't in the best shape that you that you might have thought it was or was there like was it like this ship needs turning around kind of like to save it or was it or yeah was it just, yeah, know. Like,
1: absolutely i mean like you know the um you know the the last the, the, the you know the the way that the beer program was sitting and a lot of the a lot of the different quality decisions that were being made, like the, the, the beer just was not being, um, held up in, in, a, in a, in a way that I think like was, um, uh, really appreciated for the community. Um, and so, you know, I basically, you know, I, I swept everything under the rug for the most part. And we started off with new recipes and new beers, um, some of the same names just to try to keep some consistency. Um, and then, um, yeah. And then we just kind of, uh, went off in this direction that like I wasn't really expecting, you know, like, um, I, I was hoping that we could, you know, really try to make, um, the best beer possible. And like, that's always the goal, you know, there's never a recipes, never finished. Uh, the process is never completely dialed in. There's always Mm -hmm. tweaking, and so I think it's like keeping those like, um, ideas, you know, uh, always like always in your own head that like we have to move things forward. And so I think that progression like, you know, continued on for a few years, but it's like just funny looking back at a lot of different things, you know, where it's like, um, the way that the water filtration was happening was, uh, <laughs> it was not, was not was not done correctly. And it took me like six months to a year to figure out why there was a certain taste in the beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and come to find out there was a little too much chlorine going into the beer. I mean, which isn't harmful for the beer more than it just gives this chlorophenolic character that is not delicious. And mm-hmm. like, yes. you know, and so it's just like, there's just a range of these different like lessons constantly just through tasting. And so, um, it took a it it took I think like probably two to two years uh to get things to a spot that were like where the beer was good and then
0: was that two was that two like hard years of just grafting and, and high stress well
1: it... in hindsight it was the easiest thing in the world <laughs> because of like what what like this has been at um, Green cheek with kids and all of that kind of stuff has been way more difficult, uh, which I can get it to at some point if you want to, but like the, um, but yeah, like looking back, that was so cushy, but I bet it was in that time in my life was some of the hardest I had ever worked Mm -hmm. previously. And so I thought I was working hard. And so, uh, yeah, we, um, yeah, we kind of kept developing this beer program. I, um, I'm absolutely in love with IPA I like fresh hoppy beer kind of no matter what it is. Um, and I think that like there's this absolute magic in a fresh hoppy beer, especially the moment that it's coming out of the bright tank or, you know, the first week it's in the can. And so like, you know, there's just like, there's nothing like it. Um, there's nothing like that fresh hoppy beer to the point to where like I'm constantly trying to like, um, educate our staff and our customers in this way that it's like look we're going to do our best to continue to make the proper amounts of beer so that we can have you drinking the same experience because you if you know what it's like you like you fin- you guys get a batch finished and you walk over and you squeeze them off the tank and then you just sit there and go this is why i'm doing this this totally. is this is the, like it doesn't get better
0: Oh man, it's again, I'm not the, I'm not the brewer, but the excitement of tasting like before it's dry hopped and then post dry hop. And then when it's just conditioned for a while and you oh. know, we, we canned our other half double IPA collaboration today. And, and uh, actually the, the biggest moment for me in that sense was when we started using our own house yeast strain and it was a, a flavor profile that I'd always wanted in our beers that had never been there. And yeah, I was like, fuck this is it this is this is exactly what i want to drink and that softness and and yeah just all the yeah. florals citrusy melon notes and it never it never gets boring and everyone is like cracking a can's great as well but like when you do just get to try it out of the tank and you've been excited and you know the hop combinations and all those kind of things It it's it's a special moment
1: yeah no absolutely man i mean i think like I think people end up thinking that I drink a lot more IPA than um, I do mainly because like we've been fortunate, fortunate enough to like, uh, or I've been fortunate enough over the years to continue to like um, do pretty well competitions and stuff like that with IPA. But um, I, yeah, like at Noble, I think the funny thing is, is that like I was kind of pushed into it in a way to where it was like, Hey man, like we really need a kick-ass IPA. And it's like, okay, well like I'll, I'll do my best at, you know, kind of creating that. But like, um, again, like when, I can't remember exactly what year this was, but I think it was probably two years into working at Noble. Um, me and Brad took a trip to England and like, I fell in love with cask beer again. (laughs) And like, um, we went, um, yeah, we started off in London and we went as high up as, uh, as York on that trip yeah. and, um, all in all, like, you know, just kind of coming back from that experience and being like, all right, guys, all right, Southern California, here's some, uh, here's some cast beer. You're going to love it.
0: ESB. Yes.
1: Oh yeah. Like we had, uh, yes, yeah, so we had like a, we had a, we had a certain type of uh English bitter and ESB and a range of different beer styles and like you know there was two problems with what that was well there's actually let's say three problems with what that was one um I didn't have hundreds of years of experience making these beer styles you know like so many of these like uh tried and true uh English breweries and so like I also I don't think I was making them the best um two like we're in Southern California like it's hot as hell here all the time People want cold beer or they want shit on ice. Like you put something on ice or you have a you have it ice cold.
0: They do not want like room temperature uh, no. Uh yeah, trying ruby, to
1: conv- be mild. <laughs> yeah, trying to convince people like that this was something delicious or something exciting, you this know, was nice. uh was an uphill battle and oh, so man. like I ended up continuing to learn this learn this lesson before I opened up my own brewery, which was nice, which was like, you know, um, you're not the only one drinking. You do need to make for the customer. Totally. And so I, um, yeah, I think, you know, I continue to learn that. Um, I continue to learn that lesson uh, <laughs> on a weekly, daily basis. Cause like I always have some stupid idea that I think is going to go over well where I'm like, Oh yeah, man. I mean, Hellas, people are just going to start drinking a lot of Hellas and then we'll make a bunch of it. And
0: it'll sell so slow and, compared to everything else.
1: And then I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. let me see if people still care about a uh, milkshake IPA and then we'll make one and it's gone in two hours, you know? And so I'm like, Huh. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I see a trend
0: here. I see a trend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to earn money. That's the trend. I think is that as a business owner, you kind of you get you have got to turn those wheels one way or another, and it's generally oh man IPA yep. is the is the biggest turner. But like, I wonder if you could speak a bit because I was just thinking, you know, before this interview, is, is there a certain expectation being a Californian brewery, like and a Californian brewer, um, and do other brewers from other breweries kind of you have to have that west coast ipa nailed down or uh, is that a thing at all i just i wasn't sure if there's a kind of provincial sense of just like we're a californian brewery i'm a californian brewer west coast ipa has to be there
1: sure sure um you know i think for me i mean i don't feel like that's the case you know Mm -hmm. i feel like um you know in my opinion everyone can have their own stamp. you know, uh, I, you know, I think like I'm, I'm one of those brewers that say you got to learn the rules before you can break them. You know, you have all these brewers that are going to make a, um, uh, I don't know, a brown ale with hazelnuts and chocolate and honey or whatever else. And you ask them like, hey, well, have you just made a brown ale? What do you mean, like, without, without all those things in them? And you're like, yeah, 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 without without all those things in them, like, it's, uh, it's a, it's a funny thing. So, uh, which the, the answer is usually no. And <laughs> yeah, so, it's always no. Know, <laughs> dude, it's always, huh? Without those ingredients? So <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, um, but I don't think that, uh, like, there's like, a specific sort of beer style mm-hmm. um that you have to make. Um
0: I just wondered if you were like bitched bitched about in the scene if you didn't like if you were trying all these like experimental things. It's like that guy can't even brew a West Coast idea. <clears throat> so he's
1: Oh sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah, I mean uh no I mean no, but I will say that like if you're not making an IPA um here in California, for the most part, like um you're you're doing yourself a disservice mm-hmm. because that's
0: what that's what people drink what was what was the because there was the place you know i want to say it kind of died on its own cross which was it was a place in portland that i think modern times took over and they'd refused to do ipas or something i think they were just going to do farmhouse brewery and stuff and they were like we're not yep. going to make ipas and they're in portland you know, totally. like Oregon, you've got fucking yeah. most beautiful hop farms all around you, and like, yeah, we're not going to utilize any of these incredible ingredients. We're going to sure. I mean, I mean, I don't know the full story, but I just remember reading an article about that, and they went under because <laughs> it's like, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. I
1: mean, like you know, right down the right down the street from us is the brewery, um who you know has done so many insanely creative things forever, uh, you know uh their black tuesday and their um food tart and like you know a range of these other beers that they've done over the years and like you know the first however many years they said no we're not brewing an ipa and they ended up creating an entire brand uh called offshoot so that they could brew ipa mm-hmm. and so you know and then you uh also like Is down the-,
0: the road going are you gonna do it is it monkish? I think I am. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like down the road, you got Henry and Monkish, who's just like, yeah, man, I'm not going to brew an IPA. And like, I absolutely, you know, I respect like this idea that like you don't, you don't potentially want to do something. And I think that like at a certain point, um, you realize, hey, this is what, this is just what people want. Yeah. You know, if I'm a chef, if I'm a chef, and truffles are the hot thing dude, I'm going to shave some truffles all over some pasta for you, whether I like it or not, because yep. like you're the, you're the customer and and here you go. But like, I do think that like, um, I think it's more of a, I, I feel like it ends up being more of a customer driven market on that end of things. Um, if you can continue to survive making whatever you believe, um, is good or cool or whatever else, like more power to you, you know, yeah. like, I think like, there's a brewery he, uh, here in the States called Bierstad and Bierstad makes only lager. And they, um, so like their Helles and their Pilsner are the two beers that they make the most. Um, everything's, you know, decocted and um, it takes, um, I want to say that every beer takes two months to make. Whoa. And so it's like, cause they lager, you know, they lager for uh, six to eight weeks. And so, that means that every tank only gets only gets turned six times a year.
0: When we've done lagers, um, we all absolutely love them. And then Sam, owner Sam is like, "So, so how long is this? How long's has this been in tank for?" And we will be like, "Ah, oh, we've lagged it for around six weeks or something." We'd be like, "We're never doing this again." <laughs> so, <laughs> thankfully, well,
1: especially like in England, you know the <clears throat> when I talk to brewers in England, uh, especially like cask breweries in England, like it's crazy how quick they're getting a beer in and out of a tank to where it's like once a week they're turning it over, you know, a lot of a lot of these guys to where it's like, oh yeah, you know, we we brew this day and then um we'll get it out uh at day six uh to be able to brew into that tank again exactly one week later. And so I see that a lot with those cask breweries um to where um i'm super jealous of like of that i mean we end up spending we spend three weeks to make uh clear ipa um yeah. at this point and so um to make sure that it hits all the marks that we want but like uh i'd love to be able to you know just
0: make turn it, it around faster. quick yeah just roll it out oh man there's so much i want to ask you about evan but i think we better get to um we better get to green cheek cause-
1: Oh, that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's the Hey, hey, hey I,
0: don't, I don't know if you've heard of him, but uh, yeah, because you met Brian at Noble and Noble, you, you really, it seems from what I've read and stuff that you really kind of, you chatted that to a really good place. You won some awards again. Um, there must've been a bit of notoriety that was coming along with your name in the brewing scene and things like that. And then was it, were you just getting frustrated? Was it always something inside of you where you were like, man I just want to do this for myself like I don't want to carry on working for other people there has to be a time where I'm going to take that uh step out into the dark and, and go for it
1: yeah, yeah yeah no totally I mean I think I have I have like a entrepreneur's you know uh mentality for the most part I mean mm-hmm. like if if I was independently wealthy uh I probably would have just opened up a brewery instead of ever working at one because I'm that kind of an idiot and so I'm <sighs> I'm very thankful that, uh, I was poor and (laughs) that I, uh, that I was forced to, uh, work in this industry long enough to where I could learn, um, you know, what to do, what not to do in a way that by the time that I went to go, uh, open up this brewery with Brian, my business partner, that, um, you know, I had already learned like a lot of, um, mistakes, you know, I I had already gone like I'd already kind of worked through a lot of those different things and those principles and you know, the way that we were going to handle certain situations. What do you do in a beer when a when a batch is bad? Well, you dump it. Yeah. You don't you don't you don't try to hide it uh or you don't you don't try to like uh push it off to the customer, you know. At Green Sheep, we've um I don't know how many batches we've dumped at this point, but uh in the 3 years we've been open, but um could be as most of 10 maybe more yeah. and like you know when something doesn't 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 hit right um you know we we get rid of it and so yeah. i think that but but that's just that's, that's one of many examples but i think like um you know brian and i were both in the same sort of situation of just like we we really felt like we were giving a lot to uh the last brewery we were at and um You know, with him being the CEO, CFO over there and me being the brewer, it was just like, all right, I think like, that's a perfect match.
0: Like he can fill in all the holes that you don't want to deal with basically. Yeah. No,
1: I mean, yeah. So we ended up being this like, uh, you know, this yin and yang of sorts. And, um, you know, he, um, he ends up talking to the bankers and like is working out all of these other things on the back end that nobody sees um and i can continue to focus on you know uh the thing that people drink and the, the thing that creates you know um helps create the community and stuff like that and so i think mm-hmm. it's like um it ends up being a great partnership and um we started up yeah so we started up green cheek with um man yeah there's this uh, there's a uh, uh, vice president president of the of this bank close by that liked my beer and <laughs> and so we we sat down at lunch with him and he's just like yeah Evan I really like your beer and if you were telling me that you were going to open up a brewery like I don't think I'd fund you I wouldn't give any money for it but since you got Brian I'm in and so I'm like <laughs> all right sounds good and so, so
0: you've got someone with some like business acumen that can uh can actually maybe hold the fort a little bit on that side
1: Exactly. And so, um, yeah, so then we ended up, um, um, finding this brewery that was going out of business, um, here in Orange, California. And we, um, we moved in here April of 2017 and two and a half months later, we opened it up as Green Cheek. Um, we,
0: and this this is where the fun begins because the story of you guys opening is hilarious. Like your naivety just blows me away that you were just like, "We'll just open and there won't be no one will come. It'll be pretty chill." Um. Oh
1: man, yeah. I think I, I look back at that. I mean, and I still like after you've uh, been
0: I'm, like racking up beer awards, like at all these <laughs> well, the breweries.
1: I think you know I'm uh, Brian and myself like ended up end up being pretty like self deprecating in a way that like we. <laughs> We're like, Oh yeah. I mean, no one's going to care. Like, you know, don't even worry about it. And we like, especially with opening this place, we were so frugal and we, uh, we were so overly concerned about, about hiring people that, uh, for our opening, the, the day we opened, we asked a couple friends to just come in and help bartend. And Brian and I were just thinking like, uh yeah, man. I mean, we're just gonna, uh, we'll bartend and, uh, just be the two of us, but you know what, just to be safe, we'll have these two guys come in and help us out, but we're not going to like hire them. And so then we go through the, yeah, the first weekend and we get, you know, surprisingly, and thankfully we get totally rocked by, um, a crowd of people that we could have never expected. And mm-hmm. it was awesome. And so we, yeah, we opened up Green Cheek and then immediately after that weekend we hire we started hiring bartenders for the following weekend because when we started out we were we only opened up our tap room three days a week, um Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And um, so that we could kind of keep operations going the rest of the week and it wouldn't be overly complicated. And then yeah, and then as time went on, we just continued to hire more and more people. We opened up more days, uh, we did more um, continue to be able to do more and more can releases. Um, we opened up a second location in February. Uh, oh yeah, sorry, so that's
0: can- yeah. We will get to that bit. I just love that image of like you and <laughs> you and Brian after the first day, like totally blitzed, like sweating, just like I guess we better <laughs> hire some people. Like this is this is a- so. Are you tired of us slash me talking about Hazy IPA yet? You probably are, but I'm afraid you better get ready for another dose. <laughs> the Here's craze might not have found the most welcoming of homes on the West Coast, but for some of the brewers that took up that mantle, they produced some of the best to have ever been made. And Green Cheek are definitely in that list. Here I ask Evan what the talk in his town was when those cloudy beers started coming in. You are listening to Trap Brewing Co. Presents The first Time, and this is our interview with Evan Price.
1: I don't know if there's any, been anything, like, maybe more polarizing <laughs> uh, to, like, the beer community and um, uh, old curmudgeon brewers than hazy IPA. Yeah. Like, um so many brewers just looking at these old guys, just looking at this and going like that's unfinished beer. That's disgusting. Um, a range of other sort of issues with it. Right. Um, the first well, So in California, the first brewery that I had had hazy IPAs from um, that they didn't even call hazy IPAs. I don't know what they exactly, they called them. Um, was cellar maker out of San Francisco and mm-hmm. cellar maker where they were making these beers, but they were with, uh, they were with a, a neutral yeast strain and they were like, we'll call it like a medium to medium plus like haze level. Um, and you know, I, I just remember like looking at these beers that, you know, looked like a almost like a half bites and, and just like not understanding why they felt like that was a finished beer. And I'm like, uh, cause like you, you pride yourself so much as a brewer on being yeah. able to make something that is completely, you know, pin right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was really puzzled by that, but, uh, and I, uh, and I definitely gave Tim the brewership for it, but the, um, but like drinking those beers and being completely blown away by like, Wow, this is unlike anything I've ever had. Was a was a, were, were like some really great moments of um, uh, my ongoing friendship with Tim and Connor from Cellar Maker, who are uh, some some of my great friends. And um, but anyway, after that, I mean, like uh, Monkish was the second uh, on the scene, but their splash was much was a much bigger splash yeah. uh, where, you know, um Henry was all in on um Belgian beer there for uh for a long time.
0: Can you is is this an is this an urban legend or is it true that they had like didn't they have a a sign on their taproom wall or something? Oh yeah. That no IPAs or something. Yeah. Crazy like yeah, that. yeah
1: so there's like a there's a there's that uh that famous no MSG uh yeah. like So it's MSG with like the, and it's like, so it's like there's a, there was a, there was a no MSG sign and then there was a no IPA sign.
0: Oh, the the irony is just too much.
1: Oh, it's, it's great. It's great. And like, um, but, um, Henry ended up making this, uh, decision to start making and canning IPA, um, I think he had done a he had gone and done a visit uh and a range of collaborations on the East Coast and then when he came back his first can release was uh if I remember correctly, was a collab with other half and okay. it and it was a like hazy double IPA or a hazy single IPA and I couldn't have been more surprised and then the entire like beer community locally couldn't have been more surprised and then A range of these different um, customers that had already been trading for these beers um, just flock to you know to Monkish and what that is, and so then you kind of just continue to see this change in um, with them being uh, the trendsetters locally for sure of this beer culture just drastically changing, and everyone. talking about this this hazy ipa and Mm -hmm. it couldn't make people more upset like it was like (laughs) it was uh, absolutely hilarious to see just like so many of these um you know uh i mean it could be
0: californian brewers just
1: yeah like it couldn't be more of like like an american thing like where something that's not a big deal becomes a big deal you know (laughs) where it's like oh yeah, oh my God, I cannot believe this is happening. And it's like, guys, this isn't a big deal.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it tastes really um, nice.
1: <laughs> you know, and so it's just like, it's really funny seeing like that whole thing, like develop and then, um, so anyway, um, to fast forward, I want to say that was around April of 2016 when, um that release came out maybe maybe may of 2016 when monkish like first hit that and i was still at noble at the time and um i had done a uh one or two hazy ipa releases while i was at noble and then i left they continued on that uh that program and then when i opened up uh green cheek our very first release can release was the second day of opening and it was a hazy ipa called sink or swim um because again we're self-deprecating and it's just like (laughs) all right yeah man are we gonna sink are we gonna swim
0: let's see this is it yeah
1: and so yeah so then we um you know we definitely like held uh strong to like um those beer styles and um you know so much has kind of continued to change um for those beers over time as we've like gotten better um at making them the way that we want them to taste and oh, So,
0: man. you guys no. I mean it's for anyone that's tried your beers and you know when we first kind of met I think you handed me a triple IPA over the bar at, at Cloudwater's first festival and I was just like holy fuck this is incredible <laughs> and then I think after the festival all of us were in the kind of in the brewery and and we're talking about beers we drank and everyone basically brought up like that triple ipa and we just like it was and, and and without because we all drank it dif- like at different times so we weren't all just like going over it together um so yeah the expression that you guys have got from the hops and the the like zero trace of alcohol and and i and but hop producers are kind of like are working towards creating these bigger well it feels like they've they lend themselves so well to like that hazy slightly sweet like uh sure. super fruity and you know we talked a little bit about like being a chef and raw ingredients and these beers are meant to be drank fresh and that's the best way you're going to get the representation of the hop so it's just a funny thing i i had sam on the podcast from other half and we spoke a little bit about the stigma of like lazy brewing when it comes to uh Oh yeah. To New England IPAs and stuff, but it it couldn't be further from the truth. And, and yeah, I mean, so for you, is that like a huge part of your program now? Like those kind of IPAs or? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we, um, yeah, I mean, like we ended up, we were in this spot to where we do probably half of our, when it comes to IPA, half of our production is clear IPA and then half our production is hazy IPA because we, We have a, like, um, a following for both. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the way that the, the, the can sales go are 100% different, where like, we'll, you know, let's say that it takes us three weeks to make an IPA. Um, we'll release a hazy IPA and that beer can go anywhere from the day it's released. We're out of it to say three days, four days later. It's, it's out. Um, and you have a clear IPA where where it's a completely different customer and like um we release this beer and then it takes two weeks to say go through. Mm-hmm. Um but it's this just consistent, like people coming by grabbing four packs or cases or whatever else, and the like you continue to see the same people over and over grabbing those uh those clear IPAs. And so we um yeah, we fondly do both and we, um, yeah, we continue to kind of like, I mean, I think, you know, Hazy IPA ended up being like difficult for sure to like continue to get dialed in where the, trying to get like the, the profile, right. Um, took like, took some time, you know, yeah. um, continue to taste Sam's beers from other half, continuing to taste Henry's from Monkish and, um, a range of these other brewers that are making these beer styles like, uh, or this, this beer style was like, um, for sure a learning curve. And, um, cause like I, and I think like, uh, for, for me, I, I like our clear American West coast IPA or what we refer to as California IPA mm-hmm. is, um, is exactly the way that I personally want it to taste. Yeah. like. Uh, the body, the bitterness, all of these different aspects of it are just what I personally like to drink. And that's like our stamp on like what we make as IPA. When it comes to the hazy IPAs, you know, it, it definitely has, like has, it's continued to be the sort of moving target um, over the last, say, three years. of continuing to try to figure out like what exactly it is uh, for us and what it, um, and I think that like, as time has gone on and as I've traveled more, as I've tasted more um, I, I think I've continued to like get our pro our like, I don't know, our signature sort of profile into a spot that I'm um, really excited about. Um, oh, it's,
0: it's, they, yeah, they drink just so, so, and, and this is where beer festivals come in because like, Oh yeah. For us, for us like drinking those beers was just like, right, man, the the level that you can achieve, with this style is is way beyond way beyond where we're at at this current time and and yeah drinking that triple ipa and then after that i think i was just hounding you i was like so next year you're coming back we've got to do a triple ipa uh for like the whole year and we did we we eventually did it Um,
1: oh man yeah
0: but i guess that's the same for you because i actually at um at the most recent friends and family i was with you and mitch and you got like a glass of uh, the monkish stuff and you were both like trying it and just like you know there's there's so much fun being had at beer festivals but there's also a really serious side on a brewer's side because you are it's research like almost you you want to know what's going on and you want to see if people are doing it better than you almost or, or you think that they're yeah. getting something that you you aren't achieving um and yeah you you and mitch you know you went over it and kind of like took it apart a bit and were like yeah, these guys are still fucking killing it. And uh, we, we've we still got room to grow into. And, and I was like, fuck yeah. that man, think beers are so good. Um, but that's the beauty of I, brewing, I guess.
1: Uh, those are some of my favorite moments um, in being a brewer is just having that realization of like, by tasting somebody else's beer and just having that, that, that moment of, um, I don't know, introspection or where you're analyzing it in this way because you are so, um, taken back by how delicious it is. And you're going, Hey man, like I'm fucking up. Like, what am I like, what am I doing wrong here? If like, you know, they're able to make this, this beer taste this good. Like I have to, like, I have to get to the bottom of this. I have to figure it out, whether it's through a conversation with them or some things are just like, um, some things go outside of, uh, understanding, you know, like, um, for certain times you can, you can have certain brewer's beers and you can ask them like, Hey, well, how did you get it to taste that way? And like, they might not even know, like, like not in, not in like a shitty way, but like more of just like, you know, uh, it's it's watching your mom make pasta, right. Or watching yeah. your, like your grandma cook where it's just like, you do certain things a certain way um and you don't necessarily explain those things whenever you go to talk about how you made something yeah depending on the situation so it's just like it's just really funny you know where oh, it's there's like, so
0: many variables
1: oh yeah you like you just you just end up with this, this, this whole situation where you're just like how did you get it taste this way and it's like what did you do here what did you yeah. do here what did you do here and like it, you still can't get
0: to the bottom of it sometimes. It was, uh, Matt showed me a text message this morning that he'd got from a, I, w- I won't disclose the brewer, but it's <laughs> I think he'd got it at like four in the morning and it was just like this super long message. And he was like, so I think this is why another unnamed brewery gets such good IPAs because their cooling jackets only go halfway up. So the wort is a little bit warmer at the top and then it goes through. <laughs> and, this, and it was like, I don't know if he's just been taking speed and just like freaking out at home. It's like, oh yeah, but but there's so many, like little variables and you know you can dig into like the belgian side and stuff where you just like there's this place and there's equipment that just that just lend themselves to a, a flavor profile that you won't ever be able to achieve um, oh man but that's the again that's the that's the super exciting part of, of being a brewery i guess
1: on uh, on this last trip in february mitch and i went and visited at timothy taylor and it was the one and only like it was one of the best, like, um, brewery visits I've ever had, and um, yeah, we ended up, um, yeah, having beers with Andy, the brewmaster, and like just oh, that's so you cool. know, all of what it was, but like looking at that entire brewery and that the open fermentation and the yeast that they've been using for, I don't know, I think the last 30 years is what they're currently on for this certain yeast. Uh, that's how many generations they've gone is it's like there's, there's all these different things where you're like i i couldn't replicate this if i ever tried there's no, no way no and i and i love that i li- i like it like you know it's kind of like the like san francisco sourdough sort of thing where it's like you get this certain um microflora and uh you try to create sourdough and there's no way that you're going to be able to re- recreate that
0: yeah and it's i mean this goes right back to that like starting point for you like going into a small pub drinking like a hand-pulled beer the whole surrounding and everything about that affects how you drink that beer and taste that beer and and you know like it's totally the experience of it um i don't know if you know dan and martha they started a brewery called st mars of the desert in sheffield but they used to run a a brewery called pretty things in oh totally, yeah and uh they're, they're so, I'll send you the podcast with it because they're hilarious. But they're, he found the beer on a shelf and drank it. And he was like, this must be a mistake. And it was a Belgian beer. So he flew to Belgium to find out if it was a mistake or not. And he went in and he automatically, well, he, he soon realized that it wasn't a mistake at all. It was, ex- it was just this one guy in, a, in this little tiny brewery just brewing 800 hectolitres a year. And yeah, it was incredible. I love that. It's that time of the episode again, where we ask, where do we go from beer? I really wanted to get Evan's opinion on how he thinks the brewing process will change and evolve, and what he feels is important in that process, and also how far he thinks that process can be pushed. You are listening to Track Brewing Co. Presents The first Time, and this is our interview with Evan Price.
1: For me, I think continuing to learn on the science side how to make um, from a scientific point of view how I can make the best beer possible and is always extremely important, like Firestone Walker has this uh and Matt Brendelson has this saying, "Better beer through science." Mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't agree more. I think that that's like you know something that is um you know something that needs to be ingrained in you. Um, is understanding why certain things, what the train chain reactions are in, in, um, in making beer. But, um, outside of that, there's this human element, this like, this, uh, artistic element. There's this, at the end of the day, it's picking up that glass of beer and smelling it and tasting it and making this decision of just, is this absolutely insanely delicious? Or does it like, you know, or is it not like, you know, like, or is it, is it bad? Is it good? Is, you know, like a a range of those sort of like, you know, questions you ask yourself, like that's that's all that matters in the end. It doesn't matter if it's technically, if it's technically perfect, um, through all the stats, what matters is like the moment that it hits your lips. Exactly. Are you you smiling or not?
0: Yeah, that's it. A beer is the. Again, I've touched on we've touched on this a lot in the different episodes, but yeah, beer is fun. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be bring people together and people smiling and and again the uh the lager side to like the hoppy the hazy the the IPA side, it's like hundreds of years of process or in your career tens of decades gone into that lager. But you probably if you put that next to like a triple footed gozer or something, the reaction's probably gonna be for the gozer over the lager, but it doesn't mean that there's any less process going right. into it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. We, um, we have this beer that we're brewing, um, next week. And it's a, so it's an Italian pilsner that is like giving a nod to, um, Tipo Pils, this, uh, this pilsner that's made by Briefico Italiano. And the, the idea, but we, we, we've named the beer 2042. And the idea behind the beer is that uh it's probably gonna take us twenty five years <laughs> as a as Green Cheek, as a brewery, for this beer to like to legitimately be really good. Like Taliano Borivico has been around for twenty five years and I'm tasting this beer going, This is absolutely excellent. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's gonna take me some time. Yeah. Get there, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um Yeah, so I, I am interested in that question of like do you think there'll be like a Michelin star standard of beer? Cause I wanted to ask it at Sam at other half cause he, you know, they really push the boundaries on ingredients and sure and, and what can go into a beer. And I, I, it was just a question I thought like of how far can it go or how far would you want it to go? Like, that's the other thing, I guess.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's already like, you know, there's, there's different um, levels of what that is in beer. Like, mm-hmm. um, with the Michelin star type thing. Um, uh, I think it's absolutely, it's a stellar program, but it ends up being extremely biased. You know, you visit a place, um, you say taste through that experience. And of course you're rating it the entire time, but you know, the moment you're (laughs) driving over there, the moment you arrive, all of those types of things, what that place is. And I think that that's where like, um, the beer competition side of things is really neat because you're smelling and tasting through different beers without any bias and understanding of who made that beer. And so from the the littlest, crappiest little brewery to the, you know, um, the biggest brewery, like, you know, these, these things happen. And so, uh, as far as like awarding medals. And so I think that like that Michelin thing is already there in a, in a different form via competitions. And so like, um but i mean i still think
0: it's an awesome idea like i yeah I, I just wanted like on a sensory experience of like how how uh how kind of i don't know if it'd be like gimmicky could you go you know like spray an essence of thingy whilst drinking a west coast type but um that was a better answer what you gave because it also means that you've uh you are the michelin-starred brewer of this <laughs> right right
1: right no i know, not at all but but I think it's an interesting thing, like, because we look at, um, um, we as Green Cheek look at stuff like Untap and, you know, it's, it's very similar to something like Yelp, um, where, you know, um, a range of different people with a range of different palettes are all smelling and tasting these different things. And, uh, they're making a decision on whether or not they like it. And, um, you know, something like the Michelin star, the Michelin guide is like, you know a range of different uh experts for lack of a better term like rating these certain places and and awarding them a star i think like you know ends up being like um the certain amount of prestigious um sort of moment um mm-hmm. and crowning achievement that like i mean like how can you say no to that and, you, uh, know, well, hey, uh, you, uh, you track yeah, you've done Hitchcock, like, you know, Cloudwater is pretty good, you know. is doing a really <laughs> good job, but you guys, man, you guys get the fucking Mitchell and Star. Yeah.
0: Hitchcock. Put that on your wall. It's uh it's <laughs> it's funny cuz we god, we've we've been I was trying to I always try and keep these to an hour, but it's just too much fun like chatting to you especially <laughs> and uh yeah, the beer competition side we haven't really dug into, but you have won multi awards throughout your career at different different places. Um I've never known it as a thing as much in the UK, but in America, it seems to be. I guess, like you were saying, that is the Michelin Star thing. It's like brewing beer for competition, abiding by maybe a certain set of rules. I listened to you talk about it; like you're going to use certain hops in those beers. You're not going to go out there and put like I don't know, Sriracha Ace or Nelson Silver or something. It's gonna, it's got to play by the rules within that category, and then sure. it must be an incredible feeling though because you know the standard of brewing in the in the u.s and then to come out on top um what ones did you take home with green cheek um
1: so far um at green cheek we we got a silver at the world beer cup for ipa Mm -hmm. this last year let's see we got a bronze at the great american beer festival for ipa we got a silver at the Great American Beer Festival for IPA. Um I got a, a bronze for like a uh what was that? A dark mild. Uh <laughs> and uh cuz uh, like it's a beer style that I like a lot. Um yeah. oh yeah, Australian pale ale was this uh we got a gold for that at the Great Amazing. American beer Festival this last
0: year. Um So you you've yeah. done you've done you've done pretty well, man. And like how did it does that feel like there's an element of competitiveness in, in, in you, Evan. That, uh, that is, uh that I mean, I'm comp-
1: I'm just, I'm just competitive in general. Like, exactly. Um, my, uh, my wife and I have been playing Mario party on, uh, Nintendo switch lately. And, uh, I don't think we've had more arguments or fights <laughs> in our life than like, uh, Hey man, you just stole some, some coins for me, or you stole, stole a star for me. Uh, but no, I'm just competitive. I mean, like I, um, I get really excited about, um, competition. Uh, yeah. Well, just like uh, about this, like, to me, it's like this like really neat unbiased lottery of Mm -hmm. sorts where it's just like, um, you know, we'll, um, like, you know, we still make IPA exactly the way that we think IPA should be. So like, I think that that's one of the few beer styles that we're not like, I'm not overly like reading those guidelines going, oh shit, I need to change the color on this, or I need to change the bitterness level on this because it says this. Like we make it, we taste it, and we go, yes, I think this fits the guidelines. But um the um the competitiveness is uh, is is always there for sure because I just like um I find so much fun in going up against like breweries that I think are better than we are. Breweries Mm -hmm. that I think make better IPA, uh, you know, have better quality control programs and, um, and have so much more sort of money to put into what that is. Like, uh, when it comes to like, you know, uh, our facility, like we have a microscope, uh, (laughs) we have, uh, uh, we have a carbonation tester, um, like we have like nothing. We have nothing at all. Like we don't even have a dissolved oxygen meter, um, yet I mean, i've been meaning to buy one for a long time but i'm just a little like you know the 25 grand that that thing costs they, they come uh, with
0: know, a, a price tag for sure
1: yeah definitely been a little bit of a sticker shock especially like oh my god we were going to buy one in february and then covid starts to hit
0: started oh, to hit man. And we haven't we haven't even touched on that because again we're, we're probably like coming to the end of this but for those that don't know you you absolutely worked your ass up to get green cheek up and running and had twins at the same time. So that must've been like one of the most stressful things ever. And then it was
1: absolutely no bullshit. The worst year of my life. Like, (laughs) uh, like, and uh, I think that like people think I'm joking when I say that, but like I, I I worked every single day. I worked seven days a week. I worked every day. I worked probably 14 hours a day. And then I would go home and all I wanted was some good sleep, but I had, had, twins. I had newborn twins, oh. and so it was this constant like search for just balance, but I I could never find it. And I'm you know we're in year three of Green Cheek, and I'm finally finding like um, what I consider balance, but it's still like.
0: But then, oh, then you chose to uh, to open another business.
1: Oh yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> so, we opened it, yeah so we opened our second location in January right before COVID hit and the, um, it was going really well. Um, and it's still, um, it's still in the black, but it's a, it's a, it's a brew pub and so it's got a kitchen and, um, and everything. And that has been, um, that's been a challenge for sure. I mean, this um, whole man. COVID thing has been a, a huge challenge of just yeah. trying to navigate through the, the mental battles that is Trying to just figure out like what's the right thing or the wrong thing to do mm-hmm. um, for the community, for our employees, for the business, and yeah, it's been uh, it's been a challenge to say the least. But I am like excited that we're hopefully getting towards the end. As, <laughs> yeah. we're, as we're on uh, month four,
0: four <laughs> oh, months, dude. Nasty. But you said on on I, I just had a quick glance over the site earlier, and and you. It, there's, this, there's a little quote on there, which I thought was just perfect, which was just like, we're just two guys. We really love beer and the community it creates. And I, and that's it. And at the, the heart of what this project has been about is just kind of like the community that has been created around craft beer is something that is incredible. And it's the thing that, again, as well as the beer, that's what drives me. And during this crisis, I manage, I, I imagine, sorry, you've been propped up as of we by the community that we've created. Through. Yes. Yeah and, yeah yeah And that's that's been totally amazing and really reaffirming in the fact of like why we do it I think for, for yeah. me personally and I imagine it has for you as well.
1: Yeah, we're no we're in the same boat. I mean, I um you know just like we talked about the amount of people that showed up the first day that we opened, you know, and that surprise and that excitement and that thankfulness for our community, um, we're also in the same boat again when it comes to Pivoting to to go sales only, and us switching over. I mean, we've been a brewery that's probably done seventy percent draft, thirty percent cans, as a quick guesstimation, and um to switching over to one hundred percent cans and doing to go only, yeah. um and not having anyone drink on site. Like we've been way more. We've been extremely surprised with the amount of people that keep showing up. We um, we created a drive through at both of our locations uh you know not, i don't think there's anything more american than a drive through <laughs> and, so, and so we created a drive through at both locations to where there's no pre ordering ordering needed or anything like that we just have you know staff on hand with the appropriate ppe that is um you know, taking care of each customer at a time and like, and it's being done in a way that I think is keeping our staff safe and keeping um our customers safe. And it's um yeah, it's been really neat seeing people show up, people buy the beer and, um and then like seeing later, like, cause I, I manage our Instagram account as, as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, and then later seeing people tagging us in these and their, in their posts just like, so stoked to be drinking you know something that they like at their own house or whatever else
0: yeah and i think uh, without going too cheesy i think people have really enjoyed having something to be excited about and like having new we've just like rolled out so many new releases because it was gearing up for festival season as well and actually yes. the first beer to drop like nearly on the what could go wrong what could go wrong <laughs> Our collaboration, our triple IPA collaboration, which was oh near, my God. way before anything went wrong, and yeah, that was the first surge, and people were just like so stoked by it, and uh, and yeah, and it, yeah, it's been a wild ride.
1: I cannot believe. I still can't. Like uh, that. The name. The name is. The name is too perfect in every single way, and like I, uh, I love how of course at the time never in a million years did we uh one see this coming um the whole COVID thing but just like to have like uh just a funny name that we thought was funny because the three of us are coming together oh what could go wrong like ends up being instead this like bigger sort of like idea in itself like yeah, what could go wrong? Well, a lot right.
0: could go wrong, actually. Yeah. Uh, you know, I do all the Instagram posts and stuff, and I was like, "What could go wrong? What could go wrong? <laughs> are you freaking kidding me? Like, the whole world could close down. That's what could go wrong." And obviously, it was pretty intense at that time as well. So it was like, "What the? F- where the fuck are we going yes. with this?" um But thankfully, thankfully those releases and uh, I think have kept people. We've had so many beautiful messages from people just being like, "Thanks so much for like." doing this over the lockdown it's been something to be excited about and enjoy and drink with friends on zoom and all that kind of stuff and i imagine you guys have had a similar a similar thing
1: oh man since you guys released that just watching the um the love that that beer has gotten i mean i i can't remember being part of a a collaboration where i've seen so many people just saying like beer of the year beer of the year (laughs) and just like this um excitement in England for like what that beer is this 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 triple IPA which um you know
0: was totally inspired by that but totally inspired by that moment of me and other guys trying your triple IPA over the bar and and to have I think
1: we ended up in the like literally like the almost I have to look it back over but I think we ended up in the exact recipe that we use yeah. for our triple IPA. <laughs> and then it's different like, hops, it was
0: like Citra and Strata, I think. In the
1: oh yeah yeah, like yeah. we change like we change hops with our you know with beers. our triple IPAs. Yeah. But everything else about it, procedure wise, like all of those types of things, like um, you guys green cheek triple IPA uh, uh, over there, and like <laughs> yeah, and then getting oh man, and then getting the can, and then tasting it, and just being like, yeah, yeah. that's a, that's like that's it. That's uh, like that's the. Yeah. The body,
0: the bitterness, like everything about it was just like Well, it was um, an honor it
1: deceiving amount of alcohol.
0: Yeah, exactly. It was an honor to do it with you, Evan, and obviously Bob from Highland Park as well. And the super, super, super exciting thing is that Bob at Highland Park has just put the a batch in his tank of what could go. Oh yeah. the, The exact same recipe, but that will be released in California. So hopefully um that goes. I mean
1: Look, we know it's not going to be as good as yours and mine. You know, it's
0: just Bob, you know. He doesn't know what he's doing. Um, he that guy, he doesn't know what he's
1: doing. <laughs>
0: right. So, Evan, the last question is, if you could have one last beer before, I don't know, the end of the world or or just Death Row beer or Desert Island beer that ha- it could be brew- have been brewed before, it could be something that you brew yourself, um, or you could just make it up on the spot. But what beer? with that baby be
1: oh man i don't know like a top five comes to, comes to mind for me because like each part of the world makes something truly special and yeah. like you know i immediately go to um some of my favorite beer moments and so it's like you know a leader of augustine or helles in germany Perfect. you know a um you know a pint of landlord at the top of a, you know, a top of a hill at like one of the like Timothy Taylor pubs, you know, where the, where everything's kept perfectly, you know, on top of their game, um, to, oh my God, uh, drinking a fresh Russian river IPA, uh, or fresh like Firestone IPA. I mean, like, um, I don't know. The list kind of goes on and on more than it should. But like. So it really I,
0: depends where you are when the apocalypse comes. Is that what you basically saying? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that's. Okay. That's actually probably. Yeah. The best question because like. Um, my wife. My wife and I still talk about this idea on an almost like bi weekly basis of just like. All right. So when are we moving to England? Like, what? What? Like, because we just like. Like we, like I'm in love, I'm in love with it
0: so oh, much. Oh dude, like, that would be amazing. Uh,
1: I love, uh I love the greenery. I love the architecture. I love the culture. I love the food. I love the beer. Like, the I, weather? Like, I, I mean, the weather is going to take some getting used to. Uh But I think one of the things that I like about the weather is what it does for the greenery. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like here in California, like we are in Southern California, where we're at i think it's technically like a mediterranean climate and so we we have to water everything unless it's a desert plant and so like we don't end up with uh especially is like sort of like droughts and stuff like that kind of you know hit or whatever else like we don't place isn't that green um it's really more about just say going to a beach or uh you know or maybe somewhere a little more north to where there is some real greenery, like in northern part of California, super green. But I, I digress. But my main point is that just like, yeah.
0: Oh, man, there is such a special thing as well of like an autumn day and going and finding a little pub and like you say like oh. the, uh, cask landlord and the fires blazing is 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 definitely a thing of beauty so that's that's beautiful that's such a good exclusive that you've just said there evan that green cheek uk is going to be starting in the next few years <laughs> <laughs> i, I did keep way talking way, about it like i, can I have to do say, a lot more research yeah i think you would do all right though i'd love it if you just came over and started like a traditional brewery and just oh. did like bitters
1: that's all I've thought about is like that idea of just like
0: get um, a little brew pub like an actual brew pub
1: it's like the retirement plan you know it's like uh, like that's what my kids run you know it's just like I wait for them to get old enough and then it's just like so that I can just sit around and drink like fresh cask all day
0: (laughs) (laughs) and there it is episode eight in the bag man Evan what a guy an incredible dude (laughs) honestly to be around him is to to laugh uh, joke uh, and smile constantly and then underneath that veneer is one of the most talented brewers when it comes to progressive beer in the world and Like I said at the start, it came from a place that I was totally not expecting. I had no clue that Guinness and Newcastle Brown would be the first beers that uh, Evan mentioned and it was an amazing foundation for the rest of the episode. I really hope you liked that one. It was a pleasure to talk to Evan as it always is and uh, fingers crossed. Maybe we do another little beer together somewhere down the line thanks again for listening folks if you like this episode please give us a review maybe suggest it to any friends out there and leave us a little comment or send us your thirst times too and we'll try and read them out in an episode in the future thanks again this is Track Brewing Co. presents The Thirst Time I am the host Stefan Melbourne and as ever stay thirsty